this week saw the 70th meeting of the UN General Assembly. I don't know if you heard it in the news. World leaders from more than 150 countries met together and discussed a whole range of issues and problems in this world. High on their agenda was what to do with the conflict in Syria. There was lots of talk about the need for peace, but unfortunately there seems to be still major disagreements about how to achieve this, especially between the US and France and Turkey and the UK on one side and Russia and Iran on the other. And especially with some of those airstrikes also causing a lot of disagreement. And so for now, that terrible conflict continues. A conflict that in the past four and a half years has resulted in more than 250,000 deaths. A quarter of a million deaths. And about a million people being injured. Numbers that just stagger the brain, don't they? And more than 11 million people have been forced from their homes. Including 4 million that have fled to other countries. That's basically the population of Ireland going abroad to some of the other countries. And of course, this is only one of the areas of conflict in the world just now. There are ongoing fighting in in places like Afghanistan, Iraq, Nigeria, Somalia, Sudan, and Egypt, and many other places around the world. Not that things have often been different than this. It's claimed, I don't know how they worked it out, but they've claimed that in the past 3,400 years of recorded history, there wasn't any time, there wasn't any war in the world for only 268 of those years. Or about 8% of recorded history. And it's estimated that in the 20th century, that was the most deadly century in ever recorded history, with somewhere between 100 and 180 million people killed by or associated with war. But of course, we don't just need to look to other countries to know that this world is a place of violence and aggression and conflict. We see this in our own communities, don't we? In our own neighbourhoods. And sometimes, sadly, even in our own families. As human beings, we seem to have an inbuilt tendency to fight and for conflict. I kind of know that in my own life. I know this will come as a shock to you, but being argumentative is part of my genetic makeup. It's just within me. My mum and dad would strongly disagree, but that kind of proves my point, doesn't it? If they strongly disagree that I am argumentative, if you see what I mean. In his Beatitudes, Jesus said that the blessed have a completely different attitude. They don't only seek to avoid conflict. They actually actively seek to resolve it. So we're going to read from Matthew chapter 5 again. Just verse 9 this time. This is the, the, the seventh of our Beatitudes uh, this morning. So Matthew chapter 5 and verse 9. And Jesus says this. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. The Zealots were a, a group of a political group of Jewish resistant fighters, founded by Judas the Galilean, who led a revolt against Rome in AD 6. They rejected the right of Rome to rule their country. They hated the interference in their, their temple worship. And they were deeply uncomfortable with Herod's accommodation to the imperial regime. And their violent actions down the years were based on their passion for God and for his kingdom. And their desire to demonstrate that they were loyal sons of God. But their ideology was partly responsible for the later Jewish wars and the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. And still today, some people seek to demonstrate their commitment to God by aggressive, by fanatical attacks on all those who don't believe in Him. And even that happens among Christians. I don't know if you've ever gone online and, and checked out some of the online forums or saw some, some of the comments that come down, maybe even in a news report or, or that, where faith and Christianity and belief argued or discussed over between people. When that happens, you often find people using really aggressive, even vicious language in their, in their attack on the other group. And that kind of language you use sometimes on both sides of the argument. For those who are arguing against and for those who are arguing for a belief in a God. And even a belief in Christianity. But Jesus said that the blessed don't demonstrate their membership of God's family through their aggression, through their fanaticism, through their violent attacks on those who don't believe in him. Instead, they show their commitment and their involvement and their membership of God's family a completely different way. It's not the fervent and fanatical fighters for God's kingdom on earth that will be known as children of God. Rather, it is the peacemakers who will be called sons of God. I believe that's because they are showing their likeness to their Heavenly Father. That's why they'll be called sons of God. Because the Bible declares again and again that God is the God of peace. He loves to bring reconciliation where there's enmity. He loves to bring harmony where there is discord. Unity where there is division. Stability where there's unrest. And stillness where there is chaos. Of course, that doesn't mean that God is going to bring peace to everybody, no matter what. It was the false prophets of Jeremiah's day that declared, peace, peace, when there's no peace. They prophesied that, look guys, don't worry, everything's going to work out. God's going to keep peace in this country. But that wasn't true. God will not appease wrongdoers for the sake of avoiding conflict. He will not turn a blind eye to sin just so he could sneak everybody into his kingdom. That's not the God 
that we know. But the God of peace was willing to make the ultimate sacrifice in order to bring true reconciliation to this world. This, of course, is at the heart of the gospel, isn't it? We've already talked about Christmas coming up, and I know it's only October, but the message of the angel chorus in the skies above Bethlehem was glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to men on whom his favour rests. Through the coming of Christ, finally, true peace was possible. The problem was that our relationship with God was destroyed through the entrance of sin into this world. As a result, we were enemies of God. We were separated from Him. We were living in rebellion against Him. Against His rule and His reign in our lives. But because of His amazing mercy and love, God sent His Son to the cross. To pay the price of our sins. To take the punishment that we deserved upon himself. So that we could be reconciled to God. So that we could be brought back into relationship with him. Paul says here in Romans chapter 5, When we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son. And so if we have trusted in Jesus, if we have turned from our sin and put our faith in Jesus and his death on the cross, then we have been brought into peace with God. In Christ, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13, In Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. We are now his children, forgiven, cleansed, adopted into his family. We now belong to him. And through this, he has also not just brought us into a relationship with himself, he's also reconciled us with others. Before Christ, Jew and Gentile were divided by a literal and a spiritual wall. Those who were not Jews were barred from the inner courts of the temple precincts. But more seriously, they were barred from God. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 12. He says, we were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise. Without hope and without God in the world, we were completely separated from God. Completely cut off from His presence. But through His death on the cross, God removed this division. Paul goes on to say, For He Himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. And now, 
for all those who have accepted Christ into their lives, they haven't just come into a relationship with God as their Father, they've also come into relationship with His children as their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so Paul can say there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor female, male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Through Christ, God has removed all of the divisions based on race or background or status or gender or achievements or mistakes or wrongs. He's made us one family, one community of his people, equally loved, equally valued, with equal acceptance into his kingdom and equal access into his presence. Forever. Now, of course, we do need to remember that there are those who are still outside of that. That doesn't mean that everybody's going to be reconciled with each other. Jesus said this in, in Matthew chapter 10. He said, do not, be, do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. That's because the gospel of Jesus unites us with all those who have accepted Christ into their life, but it divides us from those who haven't. And as we'll see, one of the results of that is the persecution that Christians will experience. But for those who have accepted Christ, He has brought us into that place of of reconciliation with himself and reconciliation with each other as members together of one family. And through this, the God of peace enables us to be reconciled with ourselves. Experiencing that peace with God and peace with others brings true peace into our troubled hearts. This is Jesus' promise. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. This peace comes from knowing that we are truly accepted by God. Just as we are. It means that there's no need to try and hide our faults. Or pretend to be somebody else. Or wear a mask. We can be ourselves. Knowing that we're loved by God, we're valued by Him, we are precious in His sight. It comes from knowing that you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. So there's no need to worry or to struggle about our identity or our status. We can never become anything more than we are right now. And because it doesn't depend on us, we will never become anything less than we are right now. Through our faith in Christ, we are sons of God forever. And so we don't need to wrestle with our fears or our doubts and our worries. Instead, we can leave them all in the hands of our Heavenly Father. We can depend on Him to care for us, to provide for us, to support us through those difficult times. To protect us from danger. To lead us in our ways. To comfort our hearts. And to bring us safely home. This is the ministry 
of God, the God of peace in our life. Through Christ, He reconciles us to Himself, to each other, and even to ourselves. And so the blessed that Jesus is talking about here are those who have experienced this reconciliation and who seek to live in it daily in their lives. They have trusted in Jesus and so they know that they have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so they've decided to give up struggling and straining to make themselves acceptable to God. Instead they just rely completely on Christ's finished work on the cross. They rest in God's promise that they have been now declared right with Him and they are accepted by Him forever in their kingdom. And they rejoice in the knowledge that no one and nothing can ever separate them from God's love. So they choose to rest in God's salvation. But they also seek to grow in their experience of God's peace in their hearts. This is what Isaiah promises. You will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. And so through deepening their trust in God, they are learning to overcome anxiety and worry and stress. I stress on learning to do it. So they're growing in that ability. They're, they're deepening in their, in their walk with God and their trust in Him. So they're daily learning to cast all of their, their cares on God because God cares for them. They give their problems, their difficulties and their struggles into His hands. Knowing that He can do more than ever they could ask or imagine. And they seek to live at peace with everyone. In Romans chapter 12, Paul says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. The blessed know that living in harmony with everybody isn't possible in this world. Because that would depend on other people as well as themselves. But because they value peace with others, the peace that God has given them, they want to develop good relationships with other people. So they prioritize people over plans. They prioritize unity over ambition. They prioritize friendship over competition. And this will be seen in every aspect of their lives, but especially among those who are followers of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, Paul said, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Even when the blessed disagree with other Christians, as they will do, they will do everything that they can to express the truth that they are members together of one body, that they are children of one Father, that they are brothers and sisters who have been united with Christ. But in this beatitude, Jesus goes further than this. 
He doesn't only say that the blessed will experience the peace of God and personally seek to live in the peace of God. He also says the blessed will work to bring others into that peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. So the blessed will seek to mend broken relationships. Just as their father has done in their lives. Jesus taught in Matthew chapter 18. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault. Just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. So this doesn't mean that they're going to brush the disputes and disagreements under the carpet. Pretend they're not there. Instead it means they're going to have the courage to confront those problems. They're going to have the grace to offer true forgiveness. And they will have the commitment to work through all of the issues involved in that dispute. To help others come to that place of repentance so that they can experience genuine reconciliation. And that might take time. They will also be committed to step in when relationships between other people break down. They will be willing to to mediate between people if they can't work through their issues on themselves. Whether this is in families or in communities or even in church. We were actually thinking about this on Tuesday night in our Connect, our youth Bible study. About in the church of Philippi, how two women had fallen out with each other. But Paul cared about them so much. And he cared about the health of their church relationships and their fellowship so much that he pleaded with them to to reconcile. I plead with Yodia and I plead with Syntyche to agree with each other in the Lord. Paul wasn't a part of that disagreement, but he was willing to step in and seek to bring those people together. And because he was at a distance, he was in prison, miles away from the situation, he asked his friend in the church to be willing to work in this difficult and delicate process. I ask you, loyal yoke fellow, help these women. Help them to reconcile. Help them to work through their issues. Help them to come together and experience peace in the relationship. So the blessed will work to mend broken relationships. The blessed will also work to bring peace to troubled hearts. As they seek to to meet people, as they meet people who are overwhelmed with fear or worry or grief or doubts, they will seek to do what they can to bring encouragement and support and healing and hope. They will do this by sharing the comfort that they have received from God. This is what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. This is God's plan in our lives. That as he pours his peace and his comfort and his help and his support into our lives. That we will be like a channel of that. Giving it to others 
who are also in struggles and also in difficulty, that we share how much God has helped us so that they too can experience that help in their lives. But the ultimate peace that people need is, of course, peace with God. Without being reconciled to God, people will never experience true peace. And so the blessed are true peacemakers because they are committed to sharing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. They are ready to keep going to this hurting and and struggling world. They are committed to searching for the lost who have wandered far from God. They are eager to share with them the message of God's love even as they are as sinners. And they delight to talk about the Saviour who laid down his life for us on the cross. And then they plead with people to turn to God and accept the gift of his grace through faith in Christ. This is the calling of the blessed. As Paul declared in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. This is what it means to be a peacemaker. It's to bring people into true peace with God. Through sharing with them the message of the gospel. I think you'll agree with me as we think about this. I will recognise that being a peacemaker is not an easy task. Peacemaking is costly in lots of different ways. It will make demands of us. In fact, to do this effectively will require all of these attitudes we've looked at throughout this series on the Beatitudes. Because it's the poor in spirit who will have that non-judgmental attitude that will come from recognising that we too far fall very far short of what we should be. That will help us to reach out to others who are struggling. It's only those who will truly mourn over the mess of, of broken relationships and over the tragedy of people living far from God who will be willing to get involved in this difficult work. It is the meek who will have the required gentle and tender approach required to carefully restore the broken. It's those who hunger and thirst for righteousness who will care enough that people are not living that right life before God. And it's the merciful who will be willing to reach out in compassion and forgiveness and sacrificial love no matter how much it costs. And then it's the pure in heart who will be willing to speak with sincerity and authenticity required to to deal with those difficult issues. Who will be upfront and honest with people and have those difficult conversations that leads to reconciliation. But the blessed will be willing to do this. They will be committed 
to be involved in peacemaking. Because that's what their dad does. That's what their heavenly father does. This is what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 5. He says, Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us, and gave himself up for us, as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is why the, the, the blessed will be committed to peacemaking. Because by doing that, they'll be walking in their father's footsteps. And so in this world of aggression, conflict, violence and war, the blessed are those who are committed to peace. They have experienced God's peace in their relationship with him and with others and with themselves. They seek to live in that peace daily, resting in God's salvation, trusting in God's help, expressing God's love. And they work to bring others into that that experience of that peace through mending broken relationships, through comforting troubled hearts, and through introducing people to Jesus. And it's through this that God's people demonstrate their true identity as sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God.